Well, good evening. I'm Pastor Matt Angel, and I'm from the Church of the Nazarene. I just want to tell you how grateful I am to be able to minister alongside people like Pastor Erica and the other ministers in our association uh, here in Viroqua. It has been a wonderful ride, and we continue to serve the community, and we all get to be a part of it. And I'm excited about that. And thank you for your offerings during this time. We'll talk about that here in a little while, but they go to help our needy in the community. None of this stays with the churches at the different places, and that stays in the particular church that we're having the service in. So I want to encourage you to give what God puts on your heart when that comes time, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But also, just want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your prayers for your community. Thank you for your love for this, uh, this area, Vernon County. Um, we've been through a lot. A lot of people have in the world. And I just want to say thank you. And thank you for praying for your pastors. Uh, We need your prayers. And we appreciate them and we feel them. So thank you for that. Uh, The following sermon, uh, the message for tonight, is entitled, What God Can Do With Open Hands. And over the next few moments, together, we are going to look at and reflect on passages of Scripture concerning the use of of hands. Uh, They are remarkable things. Uh, Hopefully you have at least one or two. Um, I I really appreciate them, but we don't really appreciate them fully until maybe we don't have full use of them. Maybe we broke our arm or maybe we lost one. They're limited or completely restricted. We, We don't appreciate it until we don't have it. Well, Tonight, it's going to take just a moment here to set up what I'm going to do, but uh, I want to begin with a little skit, and I've asked my daughters to join me, Uh, and so they're going to get set up, and I'm going to get set up in just a moment. We're going to start this little skit down here, and then the sermon will continue on that. So if you give us just a moment of your time to set up the the stage, we will uh, hopefully uh, do a little impactful skit as we get the message going today. Girls, go ahead and get set up. I said, ding dong. Who's there? Uh, someone's at the door. Maybe it's Daddy. <laughs> yeah, it is Daddy. Come open the door for me. I got my arms full of stuff. I just got home. I need, come on. Come on, open the door. I can see you through this invisible wall, apparently. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. It took me so long. I was getting old out there or something. Uh, 
So, so what do you guys guys playing video games and reading or something here? I just don't know what I'm gonna do. Like, uh, all this stuff and all these things. And I don't you usually do something to attack me or something when I come home from work? <laughs> appreciate it and it's a fun time to uh to do a skit with them um now tonight earlier in our service just a little bit ago uh we heard from deuteronomy chapter 15 verses 7 through 11 uh this passage that passage right there it's all about instruction instructions on how the israelites are to follow specifically uh, the the instructions they're supposed to follow specifically to help the needy And if I could summarize what they're saying there is, hey, are there poor among you? (laughs) Guess what? Don't be tight-fisted. Be open-handed to the poor. Be open-handed to the needy. Now, 
how difficult is, for, is that for you or I to hear tonight? Think about that. How difficult is that to hear? The people of Israel were to look out for one another. They weren't to be stingy with their supplies. God provided those supplies, by the way. They were to make it available freely without charging interest. Imagine that, no interest loans, that's nice. There was also supposed to be this thing called the year of Jubilee. You may have heard of it before. Every seventh year, few things got to happen. But for context tonight, all the debts got canceled. Any property, any, any home-owned property that was sold to help make it through those years was returned back to the family that owned it originally. So you might think this system, as a money lender yourself, it's not such a great system. Closer and closer you get to that seventh year, that year of Jubilee. It's less likely that you were going to get the whole sum back to you that you lent because all debts got canceled at that point. Maybe we might empathize with the lender a bit, but if you or I were the needy person, we would be thankful. We would be thankful that it clearly says in, in Deuteronomy, be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. So I'll ask you it again. How hard is it for you to hear that? If you are a Christian, do you have a lot? Do you have a lot on your, of stuff yourself? Things that you call your own? And are you a fan of giving those things away? Most of us, I don't know, too much. Things that we value, special things. Let's remember that's more, that's just more stuff occupying our hands. If you're holding on to it, you might be missing out on something else being able to be put there. Think of that. In the skit here, I couldn't carry anything and I didn't know where to begin because I was so weighed down by all the things on me. Let's move on to Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Jesus, um, in that passage, I'm just going to read it for us here. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, he asked? They asked, what's this wisdom that has been given him? What are the remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own, home, in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except, I love that word, don't you? He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. It's a very interesting passage. Jesus knows what he's in for here, right? He comes home. He's, he knows this in the back of his mind. He's got his work cut out for him. He knows the hearts and minds of the people there. They are resistant to believe in him. They let go, uh, to let go of whatever they're holding on. Oh, he's just a carpenter. 
How could he be anything special? They won't let it go and lay it down at his feet. You know, I pictured somebody thinking like this. Oh, hey, it's that Jesus guy. We know him from way back, that Mary's firstborn son. He's just that local carpenter. Well, he was local until he abandoned his mother and went running around the countryside with some guys and teaching people stuff. Uh, what kind of stuff did he teach him? How to make a table? I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, that's just where my imagination goes. But in this passage, despite the lack of faith of the people, which is usually what I would emphasize here, oh, you should have more faith. Despite that, <laughs> Jesus stretches out his open hand, his open hands, and lays them on a few sick people, and he heals them. Can you imagine touching sick people with your bare hands? (laughs) This, of course, isn't the first time or the last time that Jesus would stretch out his hands and touch the sick and heal them of their ailments. The scripture didn't say that he washed his hands, didn't use hand sanitizer, that's for sure. He just reached out open hands of compassion, sometimes in spite of a negative atmosphere. Those who had had no faith in him probably didn't believe that he even brought healing to those sick people in his own hometown. But you know who did? The people he healed. They sure knew it. They experienced it. So we've looked at God's clear direction for the Israelites in Deuteronomy. Don't take advantage of the poor. Help the poor with hearts full of compassion and hands wide open. We glance over at Mark and what was going on there. And scripture seems to imply that Jesus' neighbors could have so much more miraculous healings in their lives But there was a lack of faith that brought only healing to a few. Now, let's talk about someone who checked all the right boxes. Yeah, he was a nice guy. You know what? If there was a social media back then, he probably would have changed his profile picture to support whatever good cause is going on in the world at that time. We're talking about this nice guy. He's referred to as a ruler sometimes known as the rich young ruler or a certain ruler. In any case, he's all about the rules. And just before the message tonight, I read from Luke 18, eventually, right? (laughs) And this man asks Jesus how to inherit eternal life. And we might phrase it in a couple different ways. Get to heaven, make it through the pearly gates, get and stay in God's good graces. Either way, Jesus says this to him. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Essentially, he says, the standard that you have been taught, you're familiar with it. I know you are. And then Jesus reminds him, of these things, and he reminds the ruler, and the ruler confesses that he's followed all these religious rules pertaining to living at peace with mankind, with his fellow man. He's followed all of them since he was a boy. It's like Jesus is having this conversation with the ruler, and as he tells Jesus this, he takes his right hand and he opens it up before Jesus. He says, Look, 
Look at all the rules I've followed in my life. I've done all these good things. I've followed all those things, all the commandments. He opens that hand up before Jesus to show him. Aren't you proud of me, Jesus? Look at all that stuff. God getting him now, right? Jesus tells the man that he lacks something. And it's surprising to many of us because we find out that later in the story, we find out that this young man has a lot of stuff. So what on earth could he lack? And Jesus says this to him, sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Well, the ruler is holding out his right hand to Jesus and he's kept all those rules. He should have that treasure in heaven now because of them, but he's still got this other hand, a little bit behind his back. And you know what is chock full of? His worldly possessions. His wallet, his, his iPhone, his whatever, his pictures of his family, I don't know, his family, whatever it is that he is holding on to deeply, his worldly possessions, what makes him rich. He's holding that back. And he looks at his hands. And he looks at the one with all of his possessions. And he looks up at Jesus and he does it again. And he looks at those possessions. And he holds them to his chest and he walks away sad. Because he had great wealth. He had many possessions. Now, what we've talked about, so we've talked about a few different kinds of hands. Closed hands, open hands, and a mixture thereof. And you might say, Pastor Matt, (laughs) it sounds like you're probably leading us to believe, oh, I know you, you preachers are tricky. You're probably teaching us that open hands are probably a good thing, right? I'm like, people, yes. You got it. Nailed it. A plus. Maybe an extra plus in there. (laughs) But why? Why are open hands a good thing? Well, let's look at Jesus' open hands, shall we? He didn't have to heal anyone, but he did anyway. He opened his hands, touched people no one would have dared to touch for fear of catching their illness. Not only did he touch them, but he healed them. He held nothing back from those few that were healed. There were no barriers between them and him. God works. This is is the thing that I caught from this, is that God works his will best through willing participants. God works his will best through willing participants. Jesus opened hands, even in the midst of hostility, brought miraculous healing and changed lives. What about that warning from the instructions on Deuteronomy? Well, this truly tries to instill the concept of compassion in the people of God. God says, I'm compassionate. Hello, I'm compassionate. So you be compassionate too to your fellow man. Don't take advantage of him. Hold on loosely. Maybe you've heard a lyric from a song some time ago. (laughs) Hold on loosely. Loosely to your resources, your money, your home, car, food, time, patience. (laughs) Hold on to them so loosely that if someone needed them, 
they could come up and just snatch them from your hand. And you're just like, eh, that's why they're loosely in my hand. I've heard it said concerning stewardship that if you hold on to your finances, your resources, so tight with a clenched fist, there's no more room for any more blessings, any more resources to get in there. Try it. Try cramming an extra dollar bill in there when you got it so tightly uh, held. That goes for anything, not just money. Anything you hold on so tightly instead of loosely, you can't possibly receive what God wants to put in your hand. Lastly, that ruler who wanted to inherit eternal life, he was a big rule follower. But when the master called for his possessions to be sold to benefit the poor, that was a direction that he just could not get on board with. And like our skit earlier, God can do very little with someone who is already so full of stuff. I couldn't interact with my daughters. I couldn't even give them a hug or receive a hug until I laid down my things. You know, lay down my technology, my dinner plans, my stress, my work, my hunger, my worries, my concerns. In the end, I had to lay down all of those things, good, bad, or neutral, in order to embrace my kids and be embraced by them. What can God do with open hands? Here's what God can do and did do. God showed the world what he can do with open hands on one dark day a long time ago. You see, Jesus marched outside the city carrying his own execution device, a cross, bleeding from being beaten, exhausted from the trek to the hill of the skull. He was laid down on wood beams, only a little rest that he had the entire time, and his hands were painfully stretched out. He was nailed to that cross, hands stretched out, open the whole time, and he held nothing back. What can God do with open hands? God can save the world. Today is March the 16th, and it always makes me think of uh, the verse that summarizes what God did to save the world, and I always read the verse after it. John three sixteen and 17, as I get ready to close out this message, I just want to read it for you tonight. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your open hands. Nothing separating you your healing power from us. Your open hands on the cross, Jesus. Giving your whole self to all that we are. And if we would just accept your gift, we could receive eternal life. But we've got to lay all of our stuff down and hold on loosely to what you have given us. And hold on tightly to you. Be with us as we continue on in this service tonight. Bless us, we pray. In your name we pray. Amen.